Sing for joy. Sing for joy. Sing for joy. Sing for joy. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what really is the first episode of the Sing for Joy podcast. Uh, you might have joined us last week for the introduction, gotten a little bit to know about me and what we hope to plan for this podcast, but this will be the one where we dive into my background a little bit more. I thought that was only fair because if you're going to have some more serious discussions with me in the future, you might want to know a bit more about me and specifically my musical background. So as I kick the camera and make who knows what noise on the microphone, sorry about that. But anyway, to start out, I was a small boy. Now, we won't quite go back that far. I know, old joke. Trust me, you'll hear lots of really old sappy jokes from me over the coming episodes, but I'll try to keep them to a minimum. Anyway, I grew up in Oklahoma and listened to, naturally, a lot of country music. Uh, Oklahoma, right there in the center of the country, and I grew up right on the border between Oklahoma and Texas. So you might hear a little bit of that twang come out every now and again or wonder, where's that guy from? Well, that's where I'm from, right on the border of Oklahoma and Texas, but on the Oklahoma side, uh, listened to a lot of country music. You know, the Clint Black, the George Strait, the Garth Brooks, the Brooks and Dunn, you know, all those great uh, artists there through the 90s. Uh, that, that was kind of the mainstay of what I listened to growing up. My mom listened to a lot of the Carpenters and the Beach Boys. Uh, I had a lot of her old vinyl records and that type of music was the majority of what I would find of hers. My dad, as much as he listened to country music and everything, he really preferred to listen to Steve Miller and the Eagles and a lot of those 70s bands, you know, Boston and Kansas and things like that. And so we had some cassettes of those things or we would listen to the classic rock station while we were out at work. So I had a, a variety of things that would play inside my home. It wasn't like we only had Christian music or had acapella music uh, that I would listen to on the radio or play on my records or cassettes at the time. This was pre-CD, you know, being a main thing even. We did have some of Keith Lancaster's old albums, you know, some of the different groups he was in leading up to the actual acapella vocal group that that became a big thing. Uh, we had some of those, and so I would play those. I actually had a record player in my bedroom. That was what I started with. Uh, I don't even remember if it had a radio, but it for sure was a record player, and I was able to spin my mom's old records, and then some of those were the Keith Lancaster stuff. And then a little bit older, this may sound strange, but I became an avid classical music listener. I played piano when I was younger. I played in the band. I was in the choir. And I think just being exposed to a lot of those things, um, I was really interested in that type of sound with a lot of people coming together to perform pieces of music. And I listened to lots. I wouldn't say there was one particular musical era that really spoke to me, although I did like my, you know, big, rich, romantic era, German com composer type things. So maybe I was a sucker for something that was a little overstated when I was younger, but it's still a lot of fun to listen to now. Anyway, there's a lot going on there. Suffice it to say, I was not a purely church music type person. I really did listen to a lot of things in a variety of spaces from a variety of musical influences in my life. Uh, as I got older, 
probably like junior year of high school, I stopped thinking of music as just a hobby or something I kind of liked, but it became something I really wanted to be dedicated to, and I was serious about my musical pursuits. I was making sure to audition for more things. I was looking at colleges. I was going to an arts camp in the summer and performing with the choir there, and so I I kind of grew out of just the, oh, I need to perform because it's the county talent show. It's the opportunity for me to stand in front and sing. But it was something that I thought, oh, I would like to pursue this and study this in a variety of ways. Because as much as I, as much as I did performance, performance wasn't what my end goal was. Like I was never the guy who thought, oh, I want to be on Broadway. Uh, I might have wanted to be in the choir of an opera or in the chorus for a symphony, but I didn't ever really have the desire to be the soloist. I had the ability maybe, and I don't want it to sound like I'm overstating my abilities or anything like that, but I probably could have pursued that sort of thing, but I didn't really have that desire, much to the chagrin of some of my vocal coaches through the eight, through the years, um, <laughs> when they would tell me I needed to be more competitive, Lovejoy. Uh, anyway, uh, so I wanted to study music. I really wanted to teach music. I wanted to eventually conduct other people in the choir and bring other people together to sing, all this sort of stuff. I loved music history which would really surprise some of my classmates. Well, it, it might not surprise them that I was interested in it, but if you knew the grades that I made in those classes, those were my lowest grades of all education I have ever done. But it was the subject that interested me the most. It's what I still, you know, I can dive down a musical rabbit hole and spend hours looking up the details of one particular song or the genre of that song. And so, so it's something that still to this day really interests me, uh, even though that may not exactly be where I am right now in my career. Anyway, it was, it was a lot of that late high school, college time period where I started thinking a lot more about the songs around me. And again, some of that's because when you start studying music and you're thinking about all the mechanical pieces, all the things that make it up, all the background of it, the history of it, the setting of it, um, as much as I loved music, I still was very much a strong Bible-believing, worship-attending you know, Christian, and, and never have really wavered from that. I've had a few moments of, of kind of rethinking the details on those sort of things. But, so I have this love of music growing, and I have a strong Christian faith that's right there with me, and there had been a dissonance a lot of times between those two pieces, uh, where I would know that I'm supposed to you know, set my mind on things above, as it says in Colossians. But then I would be listening to and watching things that they weren't just questionable. They weren't just, well, that may not be the best. But they were, they were definitely not something that was setting my mind on things above, just to put it, you know, pretty broadly there. Um, but I had, I don't know if you remember these things, but people used to have their CDs and instead of carrying around like a CD jewel case, you would pull those CDs out and put them in this big binder that had multiple sleeves that you would slip your music into. And sometimes you would keep your, your album notes in behind the CD and everything. Well, I had one of those massive, you know, four sleeve per page, 
you know, and it probably had 300 pages, you know, or something, you know, capacity for 300 CDs or more, whatever. Anyway, it was a massive thing. It was like a small briefcase that I would carry around with me on a bus trip or in a car ride and just pull out music of all kinds. And I do mean all kinds. Uh, I told, I had friends that would say that my CD case was better than the radio because you could pick what you wanted and it had just as much variety. <laughs> so that was, that was what I had with me. And so during this time when I'm really starting to think more deeply, I'm opening that binder and going, ooh, I don't know if I would be proud of some people finding that particular CD in my CD case. And so I had to really start thinking about what I was listening to. So despite that message in the back of my head going, but it's such a good beat. Oh, you love jamming out to this one, whatever. Um, it's a great one to blast in the car when you're driving downtown, you know. Um, I decided that I was going to go on a bit of a purge and I cut some of those things out of my CD case, which hurt me dearly. I think I just gave them away somewhere because I didn't even want to try to take them, to, you know, and exchange them for money or whatever, because anyway, people check it out. I had lots of things in the back of my head that kept me from doing that, but it still wasn't I got rid of everything and suddenly my music was the cleanest music collection, you know, of all the kids in church, you know, something like that. It would take several more years of me still ruminating on that thought process before I was comfortable with the music I would listen to and the music I would share and comfortable letting other people look into it without me being like, oh no, what are they going to find? What am I going to have to explain? Um, funny enough, a big Part of that is when I worked at a children's home and you would be handing them the CD case and going, y'all can listen to anything in my CD case. And there would be that one that you'd forgot was in there and they would pull that out. Mr. Lovejoy, can we listen to this? And you'd have to tell them no. And then they'd be like, why not? And you, you wonder if you're supposed to explain that sort of thing. Anyway, that's what really finally was the, the push to really clear things out. But that's, that's jumping ahead several more years. We'll, we may come back to that later. Anyway, Y'all are probably going, this is a lot of information about a guy we barely know, but I appreciate you sticking with me. So let, let's keep going and hopefully it'll make sense here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> eventually, I did graduate with a music degree. I had a music education degree. Uh, I actually married a fellow music major during that time, right before we both graduated. Uh, she was actually a big reason. Her name's Shiloh. Uh, Shiloh was actually a really big reason for me to start paying attention to the lyrics of songs. I was much more beat and melody. She was more lyric driven. And I think we've kind of leveled each other out over the years. But there was a lot of things that I would be playing in my song and just bebopping along to, or in my car and bebopping along to. And she'd be like, do you know what that song is saying? And no, what's it say? And so she would have to repeat back the lyrics to me. Um, she gave me a lot of grief on that for many years. <laughs> Still does. It, that's all right. Anyway, uh, so after we graduated, you know, we'd been married for five five months at that point. We actually moved to England for two years. Uh, worked there with the church and worked with kids and senior adults and different things. Doing a wide variety of things for an established church there in England. Uh, and then we moved back to the States at the end of that two-year time period we had committed to, worked for a children's home, the Tipton Children's Home in Tipton, Oklahoma, for two more years. And like I say, that's when I really had to start thinking about exactly what music I had on and had available 
because now I had all these kids and they would be, you know, five years old to seniors in high school. And if I was going to challenge them on the music they were listening to for right or wrong, encourage them to listen to the right things, encourage them not to listen to certain things. I really started examining what I was listening to on my own and going, well, it's that sort of, you need to practice what you preach sort of idea. So I started thinking about a lot more of those things. Um, It was during that time period, I finally got to start teaching music. And so I taught a few hours of elementary music every week. And then once I quit working for the children's home, I started working full time in the public school system. but actually taught less music then. I started teaching more special education with just one hour of music appreciation during that time period. Um, While I lived in Tipton, I was able to have the opportunity to lead songs a lot more. Eventually kind of moved into a leadership position where I thought more about the songs we led, about the people who would be leading the songs. But I was still very much just like a song leader. You know, I might get the the theme, I might get the title for a sermon, I might get a scripture reference, and I would try to pick one or two to go with it or at least get an invitation song. But for the most part, it was still just pick the songs you know, put them in an order that fits with what the church usually does, and then sing those songs. Um, Like I say, when when they eventually asked me to take on more of a, hey, we want you to lead every Sunday morning, and then the other men who have been leading singing, we're going to have them rotate on the other worship services, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That was a really big deal. It was something that I I had to deeply consider because it was so different than what I grew up. You know, you grew up with a variety of men leading songs, and they just swapped every week or every month. And then for me to really step up and have the opportunity to lead every week was something different. And And I appreciated that opportunity. It led me to where I am right now. In fact, I think next episode, we're going to dive in a little bit on what I see as the difference between a song leader and a worship leader. But um, this was where I kind of, I had the opportunity to really think about those things and to think about why would you want one person leading the songs? Why would you want to think more deeply about the songs you're leading instead of just picking the songs that you know? But even then, I really didn't have the time to develop a worship service. Like I said, I was working full-time as a special education teacher, and any of you who are connected with special education in public schools, you know what I'm talking about. And let me just pause and say I deeply appreciate those of you who are in that area of education, taking care of some very sweet and some very kind children, some children who maybe need just that little bit of extra attention uh, or some families who need that extra attention and advocacy. And I appreciate you hanging in that space for them. Uh, But anyway, so I was living in that world and it was eating a lot of my time. So even when I knew I was gonna be leading singing every Sunday morning, it was, you use the ones you were comfortable with. Uh, There came a point where the preacher and I got really close and he had a musical background himself. And so we started trying to introduce a couple of new songs here and there. You know, he would have like, I need a theme song for this series. And so we would work work through that. But that still was the exception to the rule. Um, After being in Tipton for, you know, four years, nearly five years at that point, there was just a desire between Shiloh and I that we were looking for 
change in the near future. And we weren't looking for anything in particular. In fact, people would ask me, well, what are you looking for? And I said, I really don't know, but I think I'll, I'll know it when I see it. I was thinking about, well, I was halfway through an administrative degree, a master's in school administration. And so I thought it might be that direction. Of course, I've always had a desire to sing. Uh, having done mission work, there was always that possibility of doing something like that. But eventually, the job here at the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky, came on my radar. And it was an opening for a worship minister. And as I got into it, they were like, and something else. We just want to see where your talents are before we decide what that and something else is. But the main job you'll be doing is being a worship minister. And so, of course, in my head, I'm trying to figure out exactly what that means because at the time... Um, I only knew one guy that was a full-time employed worship minister somewhere, and that was at a congregation of several thousand. So I'm sitting here looking at this church that's, you know, you know, 300 to 400 people, and I'm going, how will I, what, what will I do? What does that mean to be a worship minister? I know that I can mechanically do the job. I can get up in front and lead songs and whatever, but what does it mean to really lead people in worship? What am I going to do to fill my time? So I'm thinking about all these things, and I hopefully you can kind of see the trajectory where I went from just consuming music to then thinking about the music I was consuming and how that connected to my faith to then eventually I'm thinking about how do I implement my faith in the songs we sing? How can I help my musical understanding and appreciation be conveyed through the songs we sing in worship and then lead other people in that way more than just get up front and lead a song how can i really lead their minds in worship and when i got this position when i when i got this job and was afforded the opportunity to really start thinking about it i was able to spend a lot more time developing those ideas and hopefully now that i've been here in this job for three and a half years now uh, I've had the opportunity to hear a lot of things, to listen to a lot of people, to ask a lot of questions, read a lot of books uh, because of that time I've been given. And so hopefully I can begin to distill those things, not just for myself, not just for the people here in the Broadway church, but also begin to share those things with other people. So why in the world do you need to hear what almost starts to become my manifesto or my background in music, you know, and who is Jed Lovejoy? What's, what's at his core? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, again, you're going, why, why does this matter? What, what do I need to hear all this for? Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that will jump into this podcast later on. You know, they'll, they'll pick up episode five, episode 10, you know, whatever it may be because it's got a title that catches their eye or because someone pointed it to them and they're not going to go back and listen all the way from the beginning. So they won't necessarily get this background. But for those of you who are willing to start this project with me, to go along for this journey with me, I really want you to know who I am and know that I'm willing to talk through a lot of different aspects of my love for music and how that may interact with my faith personally, and then the way that I hope that it helps us think more deeply about how we worship God. And I think that the more you know about my background, 
the more we can have those open and honest conversations, the more maybe you can see where the chinks in my armor are. Uh, if there's a blind spot when I'm discussing something, I would love for y'all to be able to say, hey, I know this was your background. Have you ever considered such and such? I just think that would, that would be a benefit to me and hopefully anyone else who's listening to this podcast because, I mean, my musical thoughts, my musical... Uh, capabilities, my the music I just listen to on a regular basis has changed dramatically throughout my life, and it's still in flux. And a lot of that's because of the situations that I've been in in my life, the places I've been able to go, the people who I've interacted with, and this I hope will extend that sort of that sort of thing. Um, I do surround myself with a lot more spiritual music than I used to. Uh, if I'm in my office, if I'm at home, if I'm in the car, I'm more likely to be listening to acapella or the Zoe group or, you know, Keith and Kristen Getty or different things like that than I am the things that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, be it, you know, my country music or the Eagles or the Carpenters. Not that any of those are wrong or bad. I just really do desire to listen to the stuff that keeps me a little more spiritually grounded than a lot of the other stuff, but that doesn't mean that those things are forever gone. Um, there's a Sirius XM radio station called Pop Rocks that plays like the music of my high school years, and that's still a lot of fun to turn that on and, and sing along with, and you know, there's those moments where I have to remember my kids are in the car and go, ooh, was that a song I really want them to listen to? Uh, but there's still a lot of fun songs that I can introduce them to and sing along with, and we have a lot of fun. Um, it was, there's, there's this thing that parents do, and I did it a lot in the children's home. This is not a good thing, but there's always that moment where you're listening to songs and you re remember, oh, that thing is coming on, and you reach for the volume knob and you yank it down really quick and you hope the kids don't realize or try to fill in the blank before you turn it up. Anyway, uh, that's, that's something I've tried to limit the need for uh, as I've grown up and as my kids have gotten older, which I now have a kid. I have two ch children, two boys. Uh, one just turned five. One will be turning seven or may already have turned seven, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But So they definitely are paying attention to the music in our car a lot more as they get older. Uh, but all that to be said, I do think more deeply about the songs I sing, whether it's in worship or otherwise. Uh, there's some songs that I really used to love <laughs> and I still tell people that I love them uh, even though they're not the best songs in the world there's just something special about them but when it comes to worship music there's some songs I really used to love in worship but the more I think about the theology behind them or the message or maybe the lack of scriptural meaning at all like they were a good feel-good song but they didn't really tell me anything about god or about spirituality or christianity and so i may not sing those anymore when i have the opportunity to lead again i when i think about good and bad songs it's not just oh do they have curse words or oh do they say the name jesus or not it's it, it really does get down to the message of the song and i look forward to going through a lot of that with you as we as we continue time through this podcast um i'm going to try to wrap this up because otherwise I think I'll ramble on for, for a little while longer. But overall, I love music. If you haven't got that yet, I still love music. I've always loved music. And I'm extremely thankful for all the life situations that have brought me to this point. 
I'm very thankful for how I can still listen to a wide range of music. I mean, now that you've got YouTube and Spotify and Apple Music and all these different things, I can literally find anything I want to from almost any area era of music and turn those things on and listen to it. And I can find those connection points the deeper that I think about things to Christ and Christianity. Even if it's I'm listening to a song and I go, oh, man. I really know what they're missing. Like I hear the message they're saying, I hear what they're, the words they're using, and I, I can think a little deeper about it instead of it just being, oh, that's a song about loss. Okay, well, loss of what? What, what would help that situation? And so I think about songs a lot differently, but that's because I still love listening to and diving into all the different aspects of music. So final thing, and this is something I'm gonna try to do, on a lot of our podcasts is encourage you to have some interaction with me. Otherwise, it's just me, uh, the setting that I'm in right now. I may not always record here, but I'm sitting in the auditorium at the Broadway Church of Christ and I'm speaking to the camera and the microphone and an empty auditorium, which is kind of strange, but it's great acoustics in here for me to do this. Anyway, I would love to have some moments of interaction with everyone who's listening. And as I said before, I have my email address, jed at broadwaycoc.com, or you can message directly through the podcast sites where you get it, things like that. But I wanna leave you with some sometimes fun, sometimes serious things that you can think about and interact with. But um, is there any type of music or any specific song or artist that you don't listen to anymore? And if you're, you know, kind enough to tell me, why don't you listen to those things anymore? Um, I, like I said, I listened to a lot of things that I used to have to do that volume turn down sort of action on. So like my Slim Shady cassettes, my Marshall Mathers cassettes, and yes, they were cassettes that I like hit record when the songs came on the radio or something. Um, (laughs) I, I got rid of those ages ago like long time that was long before even that college purge that i that i did i got rid of those songs although some of the lyrics are locked in my head somewhere um but i still hum along with the stuff that my wife (laughs) picks at me on and she makes fun of me for i still sing along with you know the 2000s era gwen stefani or black eyed peas and and that that sort of thing I just may not rep- uh, play them on repeat like I used to. So maybe what's what's some of that music that you still, maybe you call it your guilty pleasure music, maybe it's music that you for good reason have set aside or whatever, but I'd love to hear. What are some of those songs that you used to love, maybe you identified with during college or high school that you don't listen to anymore? And I just wanna say thanks again for listening to our Sing for Joy podcast. Next week, we're gonna get into our first real worship discussion, okay? You've spent the last two learning about me and my dreams for this podcast, but we're gonna talk about what do I see as some of the differences between a song leader and a worship leader. Thanks again for listening. We'll see y'all next time.